You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hey, that's me. I was walking through the halls of a Minnesota rink. When along came a wild fan who started talking smack to me. He said, I bet you never liked the blues until they won a cup. And so I calmly turned to him and said, hey man, listen up. I admit it's pretty great to win Lord Stanley's prize, but listen. I've been waiting for this moment my whole life. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Heartbreak's all I knew, man. That team from old St. Lou, man. Got a cup in here, 52, man. Give me a let's go blues. I know Arbor, Unger, Picker, Plager, Rab, McDonald, Shock, Hall, Chris Moore, Patey, Harvey, Jimmy, Robert, Sabarin, Barons, and Thompson, Eggers, Hess, Roberto, Pierre, Plant, Jock, Plant, Gossip, Merrick, Grinch, Rabino, Stevenson, Davidson, St. Marseille, McCreary, Leffley, Eccles, Tonehawk, Palace, Harry, Talbot, Keenan, Stanley, Yassi, yes sir, I'm a blues fan, yes sir, I'm a blues fan, heartbreak's all I knew, man, that team from old St. Lou, man, got a cup in here, 52, man, give me a let's go blues. Hello and welcome to Blue Notes, your hockey podcast network home for your reigning 2019 Stanley Cup champions of the world, the St. Louis Blues. I am your host, Tom Franklin, joining you each and every week as we head into the NHL playoffs. Um, A quick note here before we get into the audio version of this podcast, we, for the first time, streamed our podcast on our Facebook page. You, you can find it at facebook.com slash blue notes pod. Come in, join the family, interact with us. Uh, we think uh, we are going to really hit that up pretty big uh, this year, I think. Um, and then also uh, we are going to, for our August 3rd episode, um, we are going to tape that maybe during or uh, maybe right after the uh, Blues and Avalanche play on August 2nd on Sunday. They play at 5.30, and we're thinking of doing a live watch party for that on Facebook, so I hope you join us there for that. Also, speaking of Facebook, if you go to the Hockey Podcast Network Facebook page, I took part in After Hours last night, and uh, let's just say... I got to know uh, Crack and Rum a little bit more intimately uh, than I ever thought I would last night. I uh, I howled at the moon a little bit, but it was all it was all in fun. It was all in fun, and uh, we all had a good time. And I think you'll have a good time. It's on Facebook at the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, just search for uh, Facebook.com/slash/HockeyPodNet, or you can find uh, the audio version of that on our Patreon page at the Hockey Podcast Network. So I recommend you checking that out. It was me. It was Corey and Richie from Sporty with Corey and Richie. Former NHLer Cal McLaren joined in on that, you know, and and he was a hoot. Uh, Isha and Dylan, and there was uh, John from the Oil Country Podcast was there. Um, it was a lot of fun, and I, I strongly, strongly recommend you check that out if you just want to have a good time, like I did. Um, now, you, you haven't heard Wags yet. He's here, and you'll hear him later on, but remember me mentioning that live stream on Facebook? Yeah, about that. So, 
when you we 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 didn't just stream directly off of Zoom. We uh, streamed via uh, OBS, uh, Open Broadcaster Software, which is very popular among Twitch streamers. It's free. It's open source. It works. The problem with OBS is that there are a thousand like for a show like what we did with different audio and video elements that we transitioned in and out of. Um, there's a lot of prep work that needs to be done, and there's a lot of little things that could go wrong. Like, for instance, me hearing wags over my headset through Zoom, but the listeners couldn't hear him. So in the first segment, his audio is completely absent. So unfortunately, that part is lost to time because... Like an idiot, I also forgot to record our Zoom interview, period. Uh, so, that being said, we're, you, the only thing that's missing from the uh, uh, video podcast versus the audio podcast of this is some awkward silence and Wag's lips moving, but not you not hearing anything. Um, so, it's all right. We still had an hour-long conversation with Corey and Richie from the Sporty with Corey and Richie podcast. And I think you're going to enjoy it. They were great guests. And all of our and our audio issues by the time they came on were rectified. So it's it, that that's a normal uh, audio podcast that you'll hear here momentarily. Um, in the meantime, what we're going to do here is uh, first, we're going to go into a promo for uh, Fourth Line Voice, one of our podcasts here on the Hockey Podcast Network. And then we're going to jump into the Aloha commentary uh, from the Hawaii Blues fan, Guy Bensing. Uh, this week he is talking about Jeremy Rutherford's picks of the eight teams the Blues could face uh, in the uh, after the round robin uh, and ranks them according to which is most difficult and which would be easiest. Guy did his own uh, uh, rankings on that as well. Also threw in a little nugget about Petrangelo at the end. So it's a good commentary. I hope, yeah, I hope you listen to that as well. Uh, and then you'll hear another commercial, and then you'll hear our conversation with Sporty with Corey and Richie, and we we addressed a lot of issues, um, not just Arizona Coyotes, but just you know hockey in general. We talked about the Kraken, uh, we talked about the playoffs, and we even got to break some news about uh, John Chica, um leaving the Arizona Coyotes officially now, and it's just it's it's wild. So. Um, I apologize for the audio issues. I apologize that there is about 20 minutes of this podcast. You'll never, no one will ever hear um, as we are working out some issues and trying to interact with you more and doing some more Facebook uh, streams of our podcast going forward. So pardon our progress is basically our point, but to make it up for you, I want you to join us uh, next Sunday for the blues and the avalanche at five 30 we are going to do a watch party of that. Uh, it'll, it, it'll, I don't know if we'll start it right at 5.30. Um, we need to figure that out. Um, but I hope you join us uh, for that. So in the meantime, let's go ahead and get into episode number 63 of Blue Notes. Some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. And now Semenko out in front of the goal, pounding away at Joe Kocher, who's down on the ice, holding the back of his head. Um, you know, actually, what, what really surprised me, especially with Twitter being like Leaf Nation, was Grimson over Colt Knorr. That actually, that voting really surprised me. I didn't think that would happen. 
Don't forget to catch the Fourth Line Voice Podcast wherever you find your podcast presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Mark Bergevin. And everybody goes on and on with the whole PK thing and blah, oh, and he hated him because he doesn't like fun and blah, blah, blah. I have heard from a few people that Mark Bergevin's hilarious. No, this guy was a riot. Yeah, he would uh, be at the bar and he's like, oh, I just had a penis colada. And the girls would like give a double take and be like, what? He's like, yeah, I had the penis colada. You know, I, it's not bad. You know, it's. Enforcer based podcasting wherever you get podcasts from. Aloha. This is the Hawaii Blues fan, host of the Blue Note Fan Report. Aloha! I'm Guy, the Hawaii Blues fan, host of the Blue Note Fan Report on YouTube, and this is my Aloha commentary. It's July 27th. Hockey is a day away. Blues hockey is two days away. I thought I'd make this an athletic kind of day. That's right, I'm going to talk about the subscription site, The Athletic, and a couple of their articles. They ranked the um, all the teams in the quote-unquote playoff, playing around and playoff, in tiers, what they thought their chances were from favorites to contenders to has-beens and wannabes. And we'll go over that article. Then we'll rank the teams that the Blues could possibly play. Um, and then I'm going to talk about the captain. So let's start with the rankings. The Stanley Cup tiers, this was an article by Craig Constance. Uh, I hope I said that right. He did it last year and he did it again this year. Now what he did is he uh, put out an anonymous questionnaire to coaches, players, and scouts. And then when he got it back, he ranked the teams in the tiers. In tier one this year, within one, one one average, meaning they got ones all across the board, were Tampa Bay and the St. Louis Blues. Also in Tier 1, at 1.1 was the boss, and at 1.5 was the Colorado Avalanche. That's a scary team there. Uh, just an interesting note, last year, the Blues came in the second tier, the contender tier, not the favorite tier, at a 2.5. So a lot of people knew that the Blues were going to be good last year. From there, we're going to move on to the rankings. Jeremy Rutherford, fine, excellent writer. I love everything he writes. Um, he ranked the Blues' possible opponents in the play-in round from number eight being the strongest team to number one being the weakest team. Well, I flip-flopped it. My number eight weak, my number one strong. So let's go through my rankings. Coming in at number eight, was Minnesota. Minnesota is three, and our Blues are three and zero against Minnesota with ten goals for, five goals against. Uh, Minnesota's got a lot of young players on that team, even with the coaching change, you know. Um, and this is a th uh, theme throughout this a little bit. Uh, too many hot pockets in video games. One blue was in that group, um, but you know. I just don't think they have it. I don't think they're going to get past the playing round. Uh, next, at number seven, I have Arizona. Arizona is still a young team. Even with Phil Kessel, they're still inexperienced. Um, Taylor Hall helps a little bit, but again, youth, too many hot pockets in video games. Um, the Blues were 1-1-1 one, one, and, one, and actually were outscored 6-4 to four by Arizona. Again, this is a team I don't think is going to make it. My 
surprise in this is a lot of people thought might have been number eight. I made number six, the Chicago Blackhawks. They are a scary team. They have playoff experience. Uh, you have, you have uh, Kane and Taze. Both of them know what they're doing and know how to win cups. Uh, the X factor here for me is Corey Crawford. He just got back into playing. He did test positive for COVID-19. That was on the, uh, NH the Chicago Blackhawks NHL.com page today. Um, you know, and, and that then they traded their backup goalie, Robin Leitner, for Malcolm Subban. Um, Subban is a step down, uh, depending on how much he plays. Uh, this could be a tough, tough road to hoe for them when they play Edmonton. At number five, I have Calgary. The Blues were 3-0 against Calgary with 13-6, but Calgary is a good team. The Blues played them semi-early. Um, I, I just have this inkling that this could be a good team, and if they do make it in the second round, it's a team the Blues kind of don't want to face. Um, coming in at number four is Vancouver. Uh, Vancouver kind of slotted into number four out of necessity more than anything else. Blues were 1-1-1 one, one, one against them, were outscored 8-6. I'm just, they're a blah team to me, and, I, and I'm sorry. That's just all they are is a blah team. Uh, number three is Edmonton. Now, I probably have Edmonton ranked a lot higher than other teams, but when you have McDavid and Drysdale 1-2 and two in points, you can win games. I, I absolutely think that they're going to beat Chicago handedly, and, you know, if the Blues go 0-3, this is the team they're going to face in the first round. This team scares me. Uh, number two, I have Winnipeg. Um, Blues were 2-2. Two two. They outscored Winnipeg 9-7. But Winnipeg has an axe to grind. That's right. They got a score to settle. They felt that they should have done better last year, that they had a team last year. They felt they got a team this year. They probably got, with Connor Hullabuck, the best goalie in the league right now. Debatable. But they're, they're up there, and they could take it. And no surprise who my number one is, is Nashville. Nashville went, the Blues went 0-3-1 against Nashville. Uh, Nashville outscored them 13-8, and the Blues' history in the playoffs is not good. They've only faced them once and lost in six games. Uh, this team is scary. The Blues could face them in the second round, or in the first round, and have to play very, very well. Finally, I want to talk about Alex Petrangelo, our captain. Everybody is up in arms about his contract, and the question we keep getting asking is, are we going to keep him? Is he going to resign? Well, who knows? And really, it doesn't matter. You know why it doesn't matter? Because it's not going to happen until after this playoffs is over and after he sees what's out there. Now, he was ranked the number four overall defenseman right now by NHL, NHL Network. And the Blues were the best overall defensive team by Ken Dreyko. Now, taking Petrangelo away from that drops it a little bit, but they've got some real strong blue liners coming up in the background. Uh, I, I got to think that the Blues defense could handle losing the captain if it happens. But chill out. We don't need to talk about it because Blues Hockey is back, baby! This is Guy, the Hawaii Blues fan, saying aloha, mahalo, and I hope to catch you on the Blue Notes Pod and the Blue Note Fan Report.
This episode of the Blue Notes podcast is sponsored by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? You know if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. Have you ever wished she was smoother down there? She probably has too. If you're anything like me and or just not a neurosurgeon with a steady hand, you probably neglect below the belt. Manscaped has us covered. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. Whew! One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates growing areas for closer and more precise trimming. That's insane. If you're listening to me speak right now, you're one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Get 20% off plus free shipping when you use the promo code THPN at manscaped.com. Your balls will Thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping again with promo code THPN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code THPN. The best in men's below-the-belt grooming. And we want to welcome our special guest from Arizona, the beautiful city of Phoenix. I'm talking about Corey Crenshaw and Richie Suave Flores of Sporty with Corey and Richie. How's it going today, guys? It's so, going so good. It's, it's 104 degrees here in Phoenix right now. So, you know, I, I I'm relieved beautiful that I'm, I'm relieved that there's somewhere on this planet that is actually hotter than St. Louis. Finally. Vindication, because because my they don't, have the they don't have the humidity we do though. So we, we yeah, are that's lucky true. in that aspect, right? Yeah, that's true. We're pretty much in a in a quasi swamp here, so that's uh, um, you know, we, so we have to deal with like constant humidity. It, it's it's brutal. It's brutal. But anyway, speaking of brutal, um, you know what's brutal? Uh, hangovers. Um, and even though I'm doing okay after after hours last night, um. I, I I went a little I, I went a little crazy, didn't I? Yeah, you were I'd holding so. up your thumb like this for maybe forty five minutes. Yeah, I it was, was trying to solid. I was pointing to my hats, you know, just you know the the, the Blue Note <laughs> logo because they were talking because John was talking about how uh, Seattle is going to have to take advantage of some teams, you know, just that are in cap situations. And I was like, you know what? The Blues are probably going to be exhibit A of that because I'm expecting the Blues to give Seattle something pretty so they can take Justin Falk off the Blues' hands. That's that's I think that's what's going to have to happen. Um, so that's what I was referring to. But um, also, I, I also learned last night uh, that Kraken Blue Rum, or Black Rum, rather, is – Almost is dangerous in how easy it is to drink, because <laughs> I always I, I I just about polished off that whole bottle. So, um, but it was it was a lot of fun, and and you know, in, in case you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about um, after hours on the Hockey Podcast Network. You can find it on Facebook and uh, Patreon as well. Richie and Corey were there, and uh, 
you know, it just seems like these these things keep getting better and better, don't they? Yeah, it's. Uh, I think I don't even know how many people were there. There were probably a dozen dozen hosts in last night, including former NHLer Kyle McLaren. So, anytime you get that many people together, I think everybody was drinking, as far as I know. Yeah. Uh, to to different points of drunkenness. Uh, it's always a, a ridiculous time, and uh, I I hate all you guys because all of you were making fun of me for watching Vampire Diaries last night. Vampire I Diaries. Took a, I took a break yeah, for five minutes boys. to watch an episode <laughs> of Vampire Diaries. And um, I won't forgive you for that. So I I still have two of my crushed beers <laughs> that I was drinking <laughs> last night. They were the Kachina beers. So you know, I, I, yeah, they I still haven't moved them downstairs recycling. They've been up here this whole time. Well, all evidence from my ex- escapades last night, save for the whiteboard, are, are, are wiped away. So you know, so to protect the innocent. Um, but but <laughs> but but my favorite one of my favorite moments was Kyle McLaren, who was I think at least as shit-faced as I was, um, going after everyone for wearing hockey jerseys. I mean, I, yeah. and then, then we all ran and, and, and put our hockey jerseys on. It just, it was hilarious. It was hilarious. But uh, um, we're going to talk today a little bit about uh, part of the reason why I drank a lot last night, and, uh, and that is the Seattle Kraken. We have a name for the new Seattle franchise, it's very divisive. Uh, we'll start with you, Corey, because I know you are a fan of the Kraken. Is is what was that your that was your top choice, right? That was always been my top choice. I mean, it's a scary, mythical creature that you can do basically anything with because it's not real. You're not limited by the confines of what's actually in reality, and then you can. And it's something that you know people drew up a long time ago, as you were aptly. Uh, doing during our argument with Troll because <laughs> he was like, oh, when did that come out? And you're like, uh, I don't know, like the 1800s, <laughs> like ever since there were pirates. Um, so the nice part of it is there's so many different drawings and things that people, you know, just kind of came up with in their own imagination. So it's not like they can't branch it out into something they want it to be. And then two, it just sounds a lot scarier and it has a lot of more things that pe- you can do with it. People are like, oh, well, it's going to get cheesy okay, what team isn't cheesy? I mean, we're the Coyotes and we howl. I mean, that's pretty cheesy in and itself. So um, the fact that, you know, you might call the penalty box like Davy Jones Locker and stuff like that, it's like, it, to me, it's more fun than it is cheesy. Yeah, I'm looking forward to when the Blues go to Seattle to take on the Kraken in the crack house. You know, that's that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, and, and, and not only that, but, you know, you talk about cheesy things. I mean, Wags and I are Blues fans, and in the third period, for some weird reason, we play Country Roads, and everyone sings along to Country Roads. Um, for those of you who are not aware of North America, Missouri is located nowhere near West Virginia, that, that John Denver likes to talk about, but yet it works. I, I don't know. Um, Richie, what, what did you think of the Kraken? I, I, I think it's great, if only because of the... Like, I, I, I really don't care either way, whatever. As long as the Kyries aren't changing their name, that's fine. But my favorite, I just wanted it to be the Kraken for one reason alone, and that's so, and I explained this to Corey the other day, which is just imagine, like, it's opening night, 2021, the Kyries are playing the Kraken because for whatever reason they have a central division team of playing a Pacific division team to open up their inaugural season. 
And then the Kraken, the Coyotes are already out on the ice and they're skating around. They're enjoying themselves after they win the Stanley Cup. And then, and then the Kraken are in the tunnel. <laughs> Kraken are in the tunnel. And then the music starts to blare. And I don't know what's pick us pick any song. I don't know Timber by Kesha if you want that to be it because they're in the Pacific Northwest. And then, and then, and then you have your you have Eddie Vedder come out because Eddie Vedder is um, when I think of Seattle, I think of grunge music. I think of 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 Pearl Jam. So you can have Eddie Vedder come out. You can put him at center ice, and you can have him just come out and yell, "Release the Kraken." That's awesome. That's the only reason I like the name. Just imagine that for a moment. And that was super cool. Don't don't forget that one of the primary owners of the Kraken is Jerry Bruckheimer. And he's pretty big into explosions and and all that kind of stuff. So (laughs) just think about the in-arena experience you can get. Take Mm -hmm. what Vegas does and add Bruckheimer to it. And you guys are – it's unbelievable what you guys could probably do up there in Seattle. Yeah, it's uh, I, I'm looking forward to it because like Vegas was on a different level on their their playoff run of the Stanley Cup final, where they were just put on these like theatrical shows that were some people love, some people didn't. I thought they were ridiculously fun in a league that is never really that fun for the most part. They're kind of it's kind of a boring league, but uh, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to get some like is, was Jerry Bruckheimer? Did he do? Yeah, I know he did Pirates of the Caribbean, but oh no, I'm thinking of Michael Bay. I'm yeah, Michael Bay. Michael Bay is like the Transformers guy. That yeah. he's like the yeah. big, but but Bruckheimer was, I think, a little bit of a precursor to to Michael Bay in a sense. He wasn't as big as far as just mindless explosions, but he had some pretty big, you know, movies that featured a lot of uh, action. We'll put it that way. And since he yeah. was the guy behind Pirates of the Caribbean, sorry, Corey, uh, you can probably get the guy who played Davy Jones in uh, in there, and he and you can say release the Kraken. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just and endless I would take ben- that any day over um, Cirque du Soleil or whatever the fuck you say it. Yeah, and, and I definitely just you know just, just the name alone. I mean, it's it's a it's an intimidating name. I mean, like you look at some of the alternatives, like the the, the sockeyes. You know, I, I get the local tie-in, but like when I think of a sockeye, I think of like a old sock that has like a hole in it that's shaped like an eye i mean that's not very intimidating i know it's not what it is but it's i was just really like, hoping you weren't going a different direction with that because once you started talking about sock and an eye i was i was a little scared there this is a family program wags <laughs> I, I i know <laughs> we saved that for after hours okay um no we, we're not going there and then like like the totems you know okay you're we're, we're, we're gonna take on the tall cylindrical wood people you know just it just okay eh. am i crazy i have never heard of that until he said that and then i was just like who i like i remember there being multiple things that people were suggesting but not that one yeah it's, well totems was like a, it was an old you know seattle team name you know so it, it, it'd be one of those heritage kind of the things in fact uh the s in the kraken logo actually that's the seattle metropolitans that's kind of the that's why you have it shaped like the s is the Seattle Metropolitans, who, by the way, were the last non-NHL team to win the Stanley Cup in the 1910s, uh, they had the S, you know, going down. I, I like the I like the way the logos are, just because you have that kind of a nod to the past. The Kraken with the red eye, I think, is a nice touch. Um, the secondary logo, I didn't even realize this until someone else pointed it out, but you know, it's the anchor. But then the middle of it is the Seattle Space Needle. And it's just like, 
between that, between the color scheme, which I think their jerseys are going to look really clean, I think they hit a home run here. I think yeah, they I underestimate, think... too, how many females are going to be buying those jerseys just because they're gorgeous. Like, the coloring on them is gorgeous. Just got to say that. Yeah, absolutely. Are, are, are you going to buy a Kraken jersey, Wags? Oh, I, I almost have to. It, it's one of the most unique jerseys that you're going to see. You know, San Jose is the only other team that even comes close to having any sort of teal in their uniform. Uh, I, I like it. it. It was clean and it was unique. So, yeah, I'm definitely on board. As soon as they release it, I'm, I'm going to be I'm going to be a crackhead, just like a, a Blues fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be crackheads at the crack house. It's, it's going to be great. Um, Corey, can you please tell them how much you dislike the usage of those names? Well, I just, I, I don't know. I think it's like everyone keeps using it as they think it's really funny that they are like super original and it's like They're people not. are making that joke like off the bat and it drives me insane. It's like, you know, when old people finally like, oh, it's like you hear like your grandma saying like, oh, I'm going to whip a nene and you're like, oh, please don't. That was so old <laughs> that I don't want you even saying those words. That's how it almost kind of feels at this point that it's just like. Well, yes, we've made those jokes. We've moved on. Now. That's, that's when you know. That's when you know scared. a fad ends. A fad ends when your parents recognize the fad and embrace it. That that's what it comes down to. When your parents are a part of it, then you're like, okay, that's it. I'm done. It's over. It's in the past. And and we're getting it out of our system. We're getting it out of our out of our system now. You know, before the team actually enters the league and we start. We find something else that's that that's funnier. By the way, if you're gonna buy a Kraken jersey, um, you might want to wait. And I and I know it's gonna be it's hard to say because it's such a nice jersey. But when the Vegas Golden Knights came into the league, you could not find their jersey anywhere. And and even and if you did, you were definitely paying full price for that thing. But then, like as the first season kind of wound to an end. You started seeing more Golden Knights jerseys. Uh, of course, James Neal was uh, he he left the Golden Knights, and all of a sudden you you had these marked down James Neal jerseys. I have one, um, you know, that were really cheap. So if you want a Kraken jersey, wait until after their first season because they'll be more available, and you won't you know have to donate a kidney to get one. Um, but now we get let's go into the dark side of the Kraken entering the league, and that is the fact that they are going to evict the Arizona Coyotes from the Pacific. They're going to come over our way into the Central. And I've already been forewarned, Richie. I can see the, you know, the, the, the hate bubbling up already. Um, you are not a fan of this. No, it's, it's the stupidest thing of all time. Like, we talk a lot about how the NHL is... At least a lot of fans around the league don't like the Coyotes. Like they're like, oh, they should move out of Arizona. There shouldn't be hockey in Arizona. Blah 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 blah. And the NHL, Gary Bettman, I'll actually give him credit for this. He's been the Coyotes' biggest supporter, I think, in in the league offices. He's really the honestly one of the only reasons the Coyotes are still here is because they still want the Phoenix market to try and make it work, and it slowly is doing that. But and then they then they they're like, okay, well, we were nice to you for ten years. We we helped you get out of bankruptcy, et cetera, et cetera. But then we're going to, we're going to, we're going to F you over. We're going to F you over. And then we're going to move you to the central division that is 5,000 miles away from everybody. So that way the Kyrie's are going to have to travel the country every season, more so than any other team in the league. And that's not, that's not fair. No. What are you doing? What are you doing? Why don't they, there's a different way they can do alignment than what they have it now. Um, I didn't do the, I didn't, I didn't do the math. I need to do this. But why don't they just go like old school and do like 
when they used to have like the, the whales and the Campbell conference, we were talking about that on, on after hours last night too. And then you just like, the, you don't have divisions at all. You just have the two leagues and then you just play like almost like a round robin and you do like kind of like a balanced schedule. Do it that way for goodness sake, instead of, and then that way everybody kind of plays the same schedule all around the entire league. And so fucking over the coyotes again. Sorry, I don't know if we're allowed to cuss on this. You're show. fine. Please, be to, you're fine. I told you. I already dropped I the dump on. You're okay. <laughs> I told you you need to have the dump button ready, but it's so ridiculous, especially when you have two expansion teams coming in, and they're the ones that get the slot in the Pacific Division over the Coyotes. I understand Seattle in the Pacific Division. That makes sense, obviously, because of their proximity to the, the Pacific Coast there. But for the Golden Knights, they're in the middle. They're right smack dab in the middle of everything, and they're closer to Colorado than the Coyotes are. Yeah. So in my opinion, it was the Golden Knights that should have moved to the, yeah. to the Central Division, not the Coyotes. And I'm with you on that. I mean, if, if nothing else but the fact, and I mentioned this in After Hours last night, um, it's a lot cheaper to fly out to Vegas than it is to fly out to Phoenix in, in the St. Louis area. I mean, like you can, you can, you know, and Wags, you can attest to this, you can fly Allegiant out of Belleville to Las Vegas for like 50 bucks one way. You know, so that's like, you know, that, that kind of shortens the distance right there. And as you mentioned, um, you know, the Knights are closer to Colorado as well. And just let's face it, you know, if you put the Golden Knights in the Central Division, I mean, you, I mean, you already have the Avalanche there. You already have the Blues there. You already have, you know, the windows closing quickly on the Preds, but they're still a threat. Um, you know, add the Golden Knights to that mix. And that is like, it's like the old Norris Division again. You know, it's going to be the Black and Blue Division. It's going to be a tough division to win and it's going to be makes it would make for a lot more entertaining hockey not to say that the coyotes are 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 aren't aren't chopped liver i mean after all the yotes did you know go one one and one against the blues this season so respect is due um but it just i'm with you on that i think i think it should have been vegas that moved uh cory you you've, you've you've spoken about this before on blue notes uh what i mean do you do you generally agree with richie that it's kind of bullcrap that the coyotes are having to move yeah, and I also think it's kind of dumb that they're getting to a point, too, where they have their 32 teams. This is where they're going to stay. And this would be the one time for restructuring it if they wanted to. Um, uh, a very popular reporter here, uh, Craig Morgan, just put out an article where he was talking about doing it more of like the NFL style, where you have um, eight, four, there's four teams in eight divisions. I'm like trying to figure out how exactly to explain that so it makes sense. But um, doing it in that sense, as opposed to the way we have it now, so it's more specialized to those that are around you, and you can, it's a lot less travel that way. And it's just, it makes more sense to me. And, and honestly, I think this would be the time to do it. And he had reached out and basically had been told that there was no way that they're going to go back on a board decision and that it was already made and they're not even going to consider it which is kind of ridiculous because this is your opportunity to do that and your opportunity to do something big and make a lot of hype going in this next season after we had all of these issues due to COVID. So if you were to do something big, you have the big announcement with a Kraken and then you do a big announcement of how you're going to change up all the divisions and start like a new era of the NHL. And I feel like it would bring a lot of hype to a sport that's commonly, you know, like, the number four sport in the country. Like it would be really nice to give that some boost. And I just feel like it's a missed opportunity and they're screwing over the Coyotes at the same time. So it's a little bit stupid. Uh, and Rich, you kind of touched on the fact that, you know, Gary Bettman's kept the Coyotes in Arizona throughout everything. Does this 
stoke the fears that the Coyotes might still potentially move and get them closer to the central of, of the uh, the country? Or do you really think that Arizona is the place and that it, they're going to stay there forever? Yeah, I mean, I, I we've talked about this, but I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. Um, but there's still, I mean, uh, that it's still there. If Like I mentioned this before, if they can't find a new rink within the next two or three years, then, you know, they don't really have anywhere else to play because it's just not going to be sustainable in Glendale. Because basically right now, for everybody that doesn't know, essentially, and I live right across the street from Gila River Arena where the Coyotes play, essentially what they're doing is they're leasing the arena on a year-to-year basis. And so the city of Glendale and the team have never gotten along, really, for the last 10 years. Um, And it's just the relationship just isn't there. So – my hope is with Javier Gutierrez, the new president and CEO of the team, he came in about a month and a half ago. He is kind of he's worked with Alex Marullo, the owner of the Coyotes, for years, and is he comes from the business world and makes healing deals, and that's something that the Coyotes are going to need to do if they want a new arena. So that's job number one. I don't I understand the conspiracy theories that that's why the Coyotes are moving to the Central because oh they're moving to Houston, moving to Houston, that's right there. I don't, I don't buy it one bit. I don't buy it one bit. But I think that I, I tend to – I don't like the move, but I, under, I understand why they did it, um, geographically kind of. But it's like it's Occam's razor is what I like to always use that term. It's the simplest explanation is usually the right one. And so the simplest explanation here is that, you know, just geographically the Coyotes make the most sense in a way, even though I disagree with that, that assertion. Well, and, and speaking of the Coyotes front office, you know, the, the, the news broke, you know, in the last couple of days that uh, John Chayka has, is effectively no longer the GM of the Coyotes. It sounds like that he had some sort of offer come through and just kind of things went, hey, well, I, I don't totally understand what's going on. Corey, could you explain what's going on with John Chayka here and where do you think the Coyotes go um, forward without him? Yeah. So, um, a quick little note. I, so I hadn't realized that we were going to be on video and I had like kind of woken up this morning half in a daze and it was just after, after hours last night and was just kind of getting myself together. And I was like, so I had to kind of rush and get ready. And as I'm like rushing to get ready, I'm not kidding you. Our Twitter was just completely blowing up. Richie can attest to the fact that he was handling most of it for me. And it's been people going, what's going on? is this bad news where are we going from here what happens when you have plans literally right after this the taylor hall thing and everyone's been a little bit freaking out and i think to some extent everyone needs to take a breath and calm down because clearly chica left because he was he was either offered something he couldn't deny or he wasn't happy with the new um president coming in and that whole situation and so he decided to look elsewhere i'm highly disappointed in the fact that john chica has decided to leave uh, as of 48 hours ago he um was officially terminated he had cleaned out his own office from what i had heard um there were a lot of reports they don't ever they don't want to officially address it quite yet which i feel they probably should because of the fact that this needs to just go away at a certain point there needs to be um them addressing it and saying this is what happened and we are focusing on plans because that's really the only thing that's important right now because in the end as much as i hate the fact that chica is gone because he was such a great gm 
what really matters is how they perform in these play-ins because a draft won't matter as much as keeping Taylor Hall and keeping Taylor Hall is going to be dependent on how well they play in these play-ins. So um, I think people are focusing on the story when in the end it's going to be a shit show we have to deal with later and kind of set that on the side and then focus on what's coming up first and that's beating Nashville. Well, and you guys, you just mentioned that he had a great term as, as your GM. Do, do Coyotes fans view his term as positive, negative, mixed? I mean, you guys have Taylor Hall right now, and you could very well potentially keep him. But overall, is his tenure viewed as positive, negative, or mixed? I, I think most Coyotes fans are, are big fans of John Shike. I think he did I think he did a really, really great job with it, with this team. And everybody understands in a rebuild, it take it takes time. So Corey, this is your is this the this is Rick Tockett's third season, if I'm not mistaken, as head coach. Right? Is this about right? Yeah, so it's it's a yeah. rebuild. And the fact that they got this good this quickly is a testament to how John Tyga built a roster. And I think he built a a really solid roster this year, you know, based around defense and goaltending. And you go and you look at all these trades that he made, which is where he really made his hay. And you look at they acquired Jacob Chicker in a trade in the draft with uh, with New York, which was which was uh, or excuse me Detroit, which was terrific. That was a great trade. They managed to un- they managed to get rid of Anthony D'Angelo and the cancer that he was in the locker room, and they managed to acquire Antti Ranta and Derek Stepan on that deal. Another great trade. They managed he managed to acquire Phil Kessel. Phil Kessel's results haven't been that great this year, but he still got to give him credit for that. And they managed to pull out the deal for Taylor Hall. And unfortunately, second half of the season didn't really, really bear out for them. But Don Chaika, in terms of building a roster, I think he built a roster that fit perfectly with Rick Tockett's system. And and he was great here. And so now, um, just to catch everybody up on what's going on, again, we're, we're recording this on Sunday afternoon. So by the time everybody listens to this, there might be more news out there. But uh, apparently Steve Sullivan has taken over now as the interim GM. And I don't know Wags and Tom. You might remember, um, might remember Steve Sullivan. He was in the league for over a decade, playing yeah, with a Black bunch Fox of different teams. Yeah, yeah. Maple Leafs. He was with the Coyotes for a season. He's taking over as the assistant general manager, and um, he's been in the front office with the Coyotes for several years. He was John Trike's assistant GM for the last three. And I, I, I like Steve Sullivan. I like the fact that they're going to give him a chance here. And I, I would be a big fan if they decide to keep him on as a full-time GM because one of the things that I hate about the NHL is a lot of times everybody kind of stays in the same club and you see with head coaches a lot where everybody you know, get fired from one job and you just move on to the next. You see it with GMs all the time too where they get fired and they just go on to the next gig. So I'm a big fan of giving opportunities to guys who deserve it and Steve Sullivan – and somebody who absolutely deserved it. He's worked his ass off and he's moved up from from the director of player development for a couple of years to assistant GM and now the GM. And I, I, I really like Steve Sullivan. And I think he'll be able to kind of continue with uh, what John Chica did. Um, and uh, yeah, so we'll see. John Chica leaving sucks, but um, they'll, you know, they'll move on. That's what happens. It's business, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, you, you bring up a good point about, you know, Steve Sullivan coming on. You know, he's a former player. He's a new name, a new face with new ideas. And I think, you know, the NHL could always use, 
an injection of new ideas every now and then. Like I was talking on the Soda Pod last week with uh, with, with Asian State of Hoppy, uh, Hoppy that uh, I was happy that Bill Guerin got his chance with the Wild. You know, he's a former player, former Blue for for a year, uh, but always regarded as a very good hockey mind, and he seems to have started to right the ship a little bit in Minnesota, which was at this time last year was a, just an absolute raging fire. Um, so, you know, credit goes out to Bill Guerin and just, just some of these new guys. I'm with you on that. It gets kind of irritating to see, you know, the same old, same old, you know, just, you know, shuffle from job to job to job. It's it, it's a problem. But one thing you also hit on, Richie, and, and I'll go ahead and give this one to you is, you know, you mentioned some of the players that uh, Chaka has acquired over the years and how he has really molded this roster into what it is today. Um, do you see the, the, the news of him leaving and kind of the hullabaloo around it affecting the team at all on the ice uh, when they uh, take on um, Nashville? Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because I know Corey and I, we, uh, we're going to talk about this on our show, which we're recording a little bit after that. And I think that's my, my biggest takeaway here is this is exactly what the Kyries didn't need right now. Because right now, they're the best team in, in Phoenix right now. They're the best thing going. They're in the playoffs, which is something that we haven't been able to say in the Phoenix market since the Diamondbacks in 2017. So it's been three years since the last time any Phoenix team was in the postseason. And to basically now this become the top-line story in pretty much every media outlet here in town is not good. It's a distraction, and it, and it sucks because that's what everybody's talking about right now instead of the actual play on the ice. So I'm hoping it gets resolved quicker than not. So what, basically, I mean, I want the Kyries to get out in front of this and say, listen, this is what happened. This is this is what we're doing. We're going to name Steve Sullivan, the assistant GM, and we're going to go focus on on the Predators because it came up in, in uh, Rick Taga's conference call um, before the team left for, da- for, uh, for Edmonton, and, uh, and he was basically like, I'm not going to comment on it. I'm focused on Nashville, you know? And so I'm hoping, look, they're still going to get questions about this and it sucks, but I will say this though, the Coyotes are not, this is what happens with the Coyotes. Corey, you'll recall back when they were in the playoff runs of 2010, 2011, 2012, what was the top line story pretty much every week during those playoff runs? Coyotes moving to Montreal, Coyotes moving to Quebec. And yet they still made the Western Conference Finals in 2012, despite story after story after story saying this was going to be it for them. And, you know, speaking of the series against Nashville, we'll move on to something a little, hopefully a little bit more positive. Corey, how do you see this series with Nashville playing out? Um, Well, if you were to ask nearly anyone else, they always count the Coyotes out and everything. Um, You've experienced that on our own network. Um, But I, and everyone always wants to point out the fact that it's all going to depend upon um, our goalie tandem and how well they do, and that's going to be the deciding factor. I think it's very cliche and kind of cheap to just say that it's going to come down to them. I mean, I think it's going to come down to goaltending in general because of the situation that we are all in with the time they took off and the fact that a lot of people got out of shape. And so um, I think that is kind of cheap to say. I think it's going to come down to certain things like um Phil Kessel being able to perform now that he is finally healed and he doesn't have that groin injury anymore it's going to come down to Taylor Hall feeling finally comfortable with this team and getting to take a second stab at essentially playoffs for uh, the second time in his career and actually performing it's going to take 
a lot of offense that the team was lacking in the second half of the season. And I think um, people are also overestimating um, Nashville's defense and the fact that they were great during the season, but you're going to have every team struggling, struggling defensively. So to imagine that their defense is going to come in and just perform like they did before, I think is also a little extra. And I, I think in the end, that anything can happen because we haven't been in a situation like this. But I think everyone's underestimating the Coyotes because of the fact that if everything works on the way it's supposed to be and they are working on all four cylinders, I think they will win this hands down. Well, they've got a lot of offensive capabilities. I mean, you talk about a Kessel and a Hall, but you also have you know Clayton Keller, St. Louis boy. You've got Carl Soderberg and Derek Stepan who succeeded – magically in New York for a long time. And you also got a guy like Michael Grabner that, you know, speed is going to be key in these playoffs and to have a guy like Grabner that can kind of open up the ice a little bit. It just gives that team so much depth. And I know Tom and I are both on board with, with coyotes over Nashville. So you got two fans in St. Louis. I can tell you that. Yeah. I'm glad you guys are on board on the right side of history. And uh, quick, you mentioned Michael Grabner. Honestly, I don't think he's going to play. I think he's going to be a scratch for the coyotes. Interesting. First of all, he didn't, he didn't want to come back and play to begin with, really. He was kind of floating back and forth. He decided to come back and play, but uh, he was a healthy scratch for a lot of the second half of the season wow. because he just wasn't – he wasn't right, right? He had the speed, but he couldn't finish. He's coming off of that eye injury. He took a puck to the eye last season. And after that, he was just never the same, you know? And, uh, and it sucks because on the penalty kill, when he's right, he's one of the best penalty killers – and I'll just say in the Pacific division, he's incredible with, with what he does with, with the, with his speed, because he's able to, um, you know, play up top in the, in his, in the uh, defensive zone on the penalty kill, break up a pass and he's gone. So it sucks to lose him, but I don't think he's going to play. Um, but I don't think that's going to hamper the Coyotes too much because their penalty kill is still, you know, top, I think it was top 10 in the league this year. So, but here's the, here's the thing about, about Nashville that people forget. And like, they had a, 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 a negative goal differential this season. Like, I'm like, I don't know how you can pick a team that had a negative goal differential in the regular season against a team in the Coyotes that is one of the best defensive and goaltending teams in the league. And they only allowed, I think they allowed, I think they were top five in the league in terms of, of least goals against in the entire NHL this year. But yeah, let's pick a team that gave up more goals than, than they scored this year. Good shit, and NHL they, prognosticators. And then they claim it's because of uh, Nashville's defense. It just—it's very hypocritical. Yeah, and 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 just ignore the fact that they have about a thousand second line centers, you know, on a you know fairly dysfunctional, you know, top twelve in my opinion. Uh, of course, you know, I know the two people in Louisiana who would probably you know disagree with our assessments, you know, of this series. Uh, shout out to Devin and Craig of Ribbon Biscuits. Um, I, I, for me, it just, it just boils down to the fact that, you know, Nashville, as you meant, I mean, you kind of, you know, took my point a little bit, Richie, in that they do have that negative goal differential. They were pretty bad for most of the year. Mm -hmm. They, I mean, they were, they were, I mean, they, they could have just as easily been among the seven that didn't even make it into the playoffs. They had a kind of a fun run at the end and that kind of, you know, boosted them to where they are now, but it's been four months since that happened, all the momentum from that's gone. You know, there, there is no such thing as momentum going into this playoffs, which is part of the reason why I think it's going to be maybe the most interesting playoffs of my lifetime, just because it's just going to be so 
different than, than, than what we've experienced before. And things like momentum and home ice advantage are gone. You know, so it's just how does that affect the game? The other thing, too, is just like, you know, the Predators have a, a goalie conundrum. You know, Pecorine is 37 years old. He's been outplayed by Yusei Soros down the stretch. It might be Soros, you know, that starts against Arizona. He's unproven. He's been kind of up and down throughout his career. And then on the flip side of that, you have Darcy Kemper, you know, the best goalie you've never heard of, just because, you know, he's been, he's been, he's been, he's been, he's had some injury issues, you know, but now he's healthy. And, you know, as, as you said, Richie, you know, I mean, when he's healthy and he, if, he, if he's playing the majority of starts for Arizona, maybe he ends up in the top three of the Vesna voting. I mean, he is, he is that good, you know, and that's what Nashville has to go up against. So that's why I say, I say Yotes and I say Yotes and four Preds can't score. <laughs> I hope that's the case. Let me ask you guys a question here. Cause I, I was the reason why I'm picking the, I'm picking the Coyotes in five. And I, I mentioned this on, on after hours last night too, which is, I think a lot of these series are going to go five games because the hockey is going to be so sloppy, right? Yep. And I'm sure you guys both agree about that. And so if you go back to the beginning of the regular season, I think that's the kind of hockey we're going to see. We're going to see the type of hockey that we saw in the first – that month of October where the Predators struggled. Well, the Coyotes had one of their best months in the history of the team back in, in October. So I'm curious, like, what do you guys think of the – the style of play that we're going to get here and how that's going to affect everything. Cause I, I, it is a lot, it's going to be so sloppy to watch. I and mean, it's unfortunate. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's basically like a new season starting over again with very limited time for training camp and exhibition. Um, it's, it's, I, I, I want to say for the blues, I think, you know, if we're going by, you know, how the you know team started out in the year, Except for maybe like a couple games wags. I mean, they really did not have a Stanley Cup hangover at all. They kind of, you know, came charging out of the gates. And I think that's gonna be the case here. I mean, what what do you, I mean, what do you think, Wags? I mean, I, I do agree with Richie that I think it might be at least for the first round in the round robin, uh, or at least the playing around in round robin, it's gonna it might be a little sloppy. Yeah, I, I mean I don't wanna sound like a homerist because that's what this is gonna sound like, but I think the blues are the team that is gonna look the most crisp out of it because they did they start off this season even though they lost to Washington on opening night they looked good throughout that entire game and really they didn't hit a slump until about late December early January um, and they're a team that is solidly the same they didn't the only move they made at the deadline was bringing in Scandella and he fit right in like a glove Perfect. all these other teams yes they they were together through most of the year but you had these deadline acquisitions that only got a couple of weeks if any to gel with this team and yeah, you're, you're coming out of a training camp where at least everybody's on the same page. Everybody's healthy. You look at Colorado, getting guys back like Rantanen and, and, and you know, Landeskog and all that who are going to be in game shape, but not having the same necessarily game speed that most of the Blues are going to have in some of these other teams. So I think you'll see some Christmas from the Blues, but everybody else will have that sloppiness. But yeah, after that first round, everybody's going to be locked in and ready to go. And it's going to be some of the best playoff hockey you've seen in a long time. Well, and not only that, but it's like no other team in the NHL had a bigger acquisition than the Blues getting Tarasenko back. That I'm looking at Tarasenko like a deadline acquisition because he's been he he was out for most of the year. He's come back. He is fully healthy. He, there there is no more issue with the shoulder. It's done. It's gone. It's dusted. Um, I, that's going to be a big X factor in this playoffs for the Blues. I why I I still again sounding like a homer here. I rate them to go pretty deep. But 
let's go back to Arizona. So, so Corey, say you do take out the Nashville Predators in the first round, as all Blues fans hope you do. Um, who do you who do you want to face out of those round, uh, round robin teams, and who do you uh, think you'll face? Who do you think you'll face, and who would you like to face? Ooh, catch me off guard here. I haven't even thought past this first round. I'm going to be honest with you because it's it, for me, it's always very hard with the Coyotes because they're such a grinding team that they will eventually be pushing through. I'm really hoping it doesn't go to five because of the fact that they are a team that will tire themselves out horribly. So um, whoever they face next, I would really like it not to be a very heavy team because of the fact that they would need to be they need to be going into the second one a little bit less grind and more finesse and that's not particularly their um their strong suit so um to be able to keep this type of energy up I think it's going to be hard for each team particularly because of the fact that like you mentioned Grabner when he was talking about like whether he was going to come back and stuff he he wasn't sure but he was still skating but he was skating on ice by himself so he was going out and renting a whole sheet of ice and then just going and skating so a lot of these guys haven't had to deal with that physical one-on-one like rough play so um especially on a team that's a little bit more undersized like the coyotes um i definitely would rather them going into the second round with a less heavy team uh richie yeah can i yeah, I'm glad you asked that because I we were I think Corey we were gonna talk about I was gonna bring this up to you a little bit later too. So Corey's 100 percent correct. The Coyotes, when they play teams like Dallas, like a St. Louis, like a Vegas too, for that matter, where they they just can't quite stay that competitive against those teams that play on that heavy four check that just and Dallas is the perfect example of that. Dallas to Dallas me would be the was worst so team. rough all year. Dallas would be my least favorite team to play. Um, Colorado would be my favorite team to play. Colorado plays eh, kind of a similar style to the Coyotes in a way, and I think they match up really well against the Avalanche. So I would take – here's my power rankings of teams from least favorite to face to most favorite to face. I go Dallas 1, I go Vegas 2, I go St. Louis 3, and Colorado 4. That's the way. That's the way I put it. I, I first of all, I would love a a Coyotes and St. Louis Blues series in a seven game series because in the games that we played against each other this year, they were fun for the very, most part. Like very close. And uh, and and luckily for the Coyotes, they're not going to be getting off a plane at three a.m. and yet still beating the film defending Stanley Cup champions on the road like they did. Um, so yeah, that'll be my my rankings. I. Uh, there's like two two teams I'm I'm scared of and two teams I'm like all right I think we have a chance. Yeah, it's interesting because you know from a Blues perspective, you know depending on how the round robin shakes out, um, you know of the first round teams, I I don't want any part of Nashville, and it's just and it's not just because I hate them, it's because Nashville plays St. Louis very well. They swept the Blues this year four nothing. Don't let Devin and Craig know that, okay? That I'm that I'm a little <laughs> worried of Nashville, but I am. Um, but at the same time, though, I'm not, I'm not really, you know, Wags, I'm not really down for an Arizona matchup either, at least in that first round, because Arizona plays the Blues very tough as well. And as, you know, Corey mentioned, they're, they're uh, you know, a heavy team. And we've, I mean, the Blues play that kind of style as well, Wags. But like we've seen, like last year against Dallas, for instance, you know, another team that was kind of grindy, 
And they they nearly took that series against the Blues last year. So I think a team like Arizona could give the Blues fits. What do you think, Wags? Yeah, I agree 100%. Anytime the Blues run up against a team that has a similar style, they seem to struggle. It's almost like they don't know how to combat it, even though they see it every day in practice. So, yeah, a team like Arizona is one I wouldn't want to see. Uh, we're both terribly scared of Dallas, uh, not even just because of the physicality, because of Ben Bishop and yeah. what he almost did to us last year. Um, you know, I'm I'm more aligned along the lines if I'd much rather see I, – I, I don't – it's going to be weird to say this, but I'd much rather see like an Edmonton, a team that, yes, is fast and has some ability to score, but their defense and goaltending is just horrific. Uh, them or Calgary are the two teams that I would probably want to face. I would not want to face Arizona in the first in, in our first round. They, they just they played us so well this year and really the last couple of years. I, I don't want to see that, and I don't want to see Taylor Hall bearing down on Bennington very much either. <laughs> Yeah, which you which you know definitely could happen, and and, and for me, and I'm kind of with you in that, um, you know, I I think Calgary. If I if I if I might pick up any team to face after the round robin, it'd probably be Calgary. Um, I, I I think the Blues, you know, really match up well against them, and I don't, I'm not, I'm not bothered by them. Uh, Winnipeg, I mean, really any either one of those teams, I think I'd be okay with, just because Winnipeg has, I mean, they have Howie Buck, who is has been a tremendous goalie this year and, and quite frankly I think he gets my Vesna vote but and that's partly because he has nothing in front of him to, to, to help him out with you know and I, and I think just like last year the Blues can take advantage of that um, but but it, it, it's interesting when I was thinking about this question it's like with the way that the, this playoffs is set up with with everything on neutral ground and no momentum no home ice everything it's it's, it's just like a blank slate you know, I don't think there's, I don't think any matchup is going to be an easy one this playoffs. I mean, absolutely not. It's it's, it's going to be, this is going to be a war of attrition among all teams. And you know, it, it wouldn't shock me to see a Cinderella like Arizona, you know, make a deep run, you know, and go at least into the Western Conference Finals. It would not shock me at all, just because of the way this thing is uh, is set up. So, you're um, probably going to truly see the best team in hockey win the Stanley Cup this year, very likely. Exactly. Exactly. And that's like, actually a real. That's actually a really good point, Wags. That's a really great point because a lot of times in the Stanley Cup playoffs, it's a it's a war of attrition, right? Because you're everybody's dealing with injury, so it's you know who's the most healthy, who is best built for that longer run of playing well over a hundred games in the span of six months. Well, now everybody's healthy, and it's a quick you know twenty game burst. Basically, was it? I think. You have to it's you have to win you know, 16 games, right, to win the Stanley Cup, maybe even 19 for a team this year. I think you're 100% right. That, that's why I think Vegas and Tampa are probably my two, my two picks, I think. I think Vegas is coming out of the West and Tampa is coming out of the East. And, um, and out, who wins from there? I don't know. Probably Tampa. For the love of God, they fucking deserve a championship. <laughs> they finally deserve to win a Stanley Cup because that team's probably been the most consistent team in the last five years that hasn't won shit yet. So I, you're 100% right, man. I think talent's going to end up winning out. That's where I think the Coyotes kind of fall fall by the wayside is that they don't have enough talent up front outside of Taylor Hall and outside of your, your goaltending. That talent just doesn't match up with, with your Vegas's and your Tampa's and your Boston's quite yet. Yeah, and I think Tampa's going to come out playing angry just because of what happened to them last year with uh, in the first round with Columbus. I mean, they're going to want to shed that choker label, you know, right off the bat. And I think they're going to be a team to be reckoned with. If I had to pick a final, I would I would pick Blues versus Philly. I think Philly has got something about them this year. Um, they they seem to be really well put together. 
And the team up until, you know, the, the pandemic hit was like, was really clicking. I think they were like, what, they were like 14 and 2 or something like that before the, the pandemic started. They were out of terror. And now, of course, it's been a few months, so obviously momentum, you know, kind of gets shoved to the wayside. But, um, you know, I, a lot of people are kind of overlooking Philly. They think it's going to be Boston or Tampa, maybe even Washington, or at least before the news about uh, their goaltender. Um, I, I just, I just think I, I, I like the way the Blues are looking into this playoffs, and I like the way Philly is looking. That's my pick, uh, Corey. Who would your finals pick be? Um, I think years are relatively strong. It's so difficult, and that's why I think like it's going to definitely screw um, Vegas this year. And the fact that you know they're trying to make these picks off of what these teams look like during the season, and I think it's they're going to be completely different teams. You've got people that are healed now that weren't healed before. And then you've got players that are coming in that do well. You, you know, there's certain teams that, that, like we're talking about with Nashville, that do well, didn't do well in the first half and then did well in the second half. Or the Coyotes that did well in the first half and didn't do well in the second half. And there are certain teams that, like, throughout their history that have always kind of had a cycle of they play better at certain times of the season. They won't have that. And coming out of this, I don't think, and I know this is like a kind of a cheap way of saying it out, I don't think you will really know who's going to be going into those finals until you see that first series, until yeah. you see how they're going to play, and possibly until you get into that second series when they knock some of the rust off because they could be a completely different team by the second series too. So it's going to be very difficult and something that like it's hard for me to say distinctly who I think would be the ones that come out on top. And everyone wants to say, who they think um, will be off of regular season. And then, you know, there's a lot of been a lot of arguments, at least that I've ran into of people saying like, Oh, well, you know, this is still postseason. You know, they still had a, a full season. They're just coming back as if it's like a new one. No one ever comes back in a new season looking like they did in their previous. So to compare it, I feel like there's no way and that the only way that we will really know how these teams are going to look, is in those first two. Yeah, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. I think that's where we will leave it here. Uh, uh, Corey, uh, Richie, who do you got coming on, or what, what do you got a plan for Sporty with Corey and Richie? And go ahead and plug away. Uh, so uh, it just was made official, by the way, by the Coyotes in the time that we've been talking. They put out a, a really um, fire statement, to put it lightly, calling out John Schneika for uh, for the sign to leave the yeah, organization. Guys- so. If you guys saw my jaw drop earlier, it was because Richie just sent that to me, and it had some uh, angry words in it, and I was uh, I was a little shocked that that's the way they decided to go with it. Messy divorce, man. So, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it sounds like. Uh, so Steve Sullivan is now the official interim GM of the Coyotes, and uh, yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit and kind of talk about what we talked about a little bit earlier, which is that it's a, it's a distraction, right? It's 100% a distraction. We're going to get into the Kraken. Uh, we're going to have um, Corey's Corner and Dick of the Week. Um, I'm excited to torch Jeremy Roenick personally on Dick of the Week, so you've got to listen for that. And, yeah, it'll be, uh, you can listen to it right now if you're listening to this podcast. You can go as soon as you're done with me here, me and Corey now, then you can go listen to our, our show. Beautiful. Love it. And where, you got, uh, and where can they find you on social media? Go ahead, Corey. They can find you're us at, at – you can find us at, at Corey Ritchie Show <laughs> on – 
uh, Twitter and Instagram. You can find Richie at rflores91, me at, at Corin Cole with two E's. And um, you can be reaching out to us about all of this Chica stuff that's going on because I'm sure there's going to be some kickback even though they have officially said they're not going to say anything else on it and that they're focusing on the plans. But I'm sure there will be more stuff going on. So, um, you know, you can talk to us on there and see uh, how this is all going to unfold and see if this ends up actually affecting any of their play-in statuses because it may. But, I mean, at the same time, the Coyotes have dealt with bad headlines for uh, ever. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing your episode and your reaction to everything that, you know, just dropped even just in the recording of this. And uh, thank you again so much, Corey, and thank you again so much, Richie, for, for being on Blue Notes. And uh, Wags, any final thoughts before we uh, we uh, scamper off? No, I think we're good. We hit on a lot of stuff, and, yeah. and it's nice to have breaking news during a show. Yeah, exactly. And then this, and then for the next episode of Blue Notes, we're going to, you know, probably, we're not going to do it live on Facebook at one like we were doing today. We might push it back just because... The blues watch and, party. Yeah, we're gonna we we're, we're we're thinking of doing a watch party on Facebook for the uh, Blues and Avalanche game on August second. That starts at five thirty Central Time. Uh, we'll we'll give you more details as. Oh, as so the the Coyotes and Predators is like a nice little warm up for that game because the Coyotes and Predators, uh, at least here in Phoenix, I believe puck drop is eleven a.m. So a little brunch, a little brunch with the Coyotes. See, this is another reason why I, I, I'm looking so forward to these playoffs, not just because it's a different format, not just because of the different uh, you know, intangibles that go into it, but the fact is we're going to get hockey like in our faces you know, all day long you know, just because of the way the schedule is working out. You know, we're going to have games at 11, games at 5.30. It's just if, if you wanted to watch all the hockey you could, this is the tournament for you, and I'm looking forward to it so much. Uh, but I want to thank you, the listener and viewer, for watching, because without you, there is no me, there is no WAGS, there's no Sporty with Corey and Richie, and there is no Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Tom Franklin, reminding you to not be a chump and always play to the whistle. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.